Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with recent bride Heather Kleinhardt about her wishes wedding at Walt Disney World. And I thought you guys would be interested in hearing the details of her day. She had an evening wedding at Seabreeze Point, which you don't see a lot. And then she had a beautiful evening reception in Italy inside Epcot with a lot of gorgeous decor. So I thought she'd have some great tips for you guys. Welcome, Heather. Thanks, Carrie. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm always curious to know at the beginning how you guys decided that Disney was the place you wanted to get married. That's actually a funny story because when we started planning, my uh, husband had never even been to Walt Disney World. And we decided we actually were going to elope in the Maldives. And in the process, we learned it was only going to be symbolic. And so then we started talking, how do we do the legal ceremony and all that? And eventually it led into, let's consider a destination wedding. And he has a four-year-old daughter, so Disney kind of became one of the first choices to look at naturally with a young child in the picture. And uh, the first thing that really caught our eye was the great movie ride, but decor was important to us early on, so having the three separate scenes kind of acts that out of the picture. Oh, interesting. You mean because it, when you do the Great Movie Ride, for listeners who are not familiar with this, when you have a reception on the Great Movie Ride, you have to start off in this area where it's like the rooftops of London, and then you move to a Western scene, and then you wrap it up in the Munchkin Land in Wizard of Oz. So, Heather, you're saying it was too restrictive? Oh, well, it's not restrictive, is that we would have had to pay so much money to have a table setting at every setting. And to me, it was important to have the the centerpieces and the shivari chairs and everything like that. And so cost prohibitive wise, it was like, yep, that's out the window. I see. Right, right. Because when you do a great movie ride event, you aren't just in one place the whole time. You're always moving. And yeah, that's true. You'd have to decorate like three times. Yeah. So that quickly acts out of the picture and it's kind of what started molding what we ended up with. Okay. How did your friends and family react when they found out that that was where your wedding was going to be? We actually did things a little backwards. We actually signed our contract with Disney before we got engaged. And so once we got engaged and told everyone, it was kind of a bam, bam. So people really didn't have a chance to speak up and be like, no, I don't want that. It was, hey, we're engaged and we're getting married at Walt Disney World in February. That's interesting. Yeah. So if you want to join us, come on. If not, we understand. And was that by design? It just kind of worked out that way. It kind of started as a joke. When we were looking at Disney, my um, husband, Mike, said, oh, let's get married February 22nd. And we jokingly contacted Disney and found out every vendor we wanted was available at that point about nine, ten months out. So we looked at each other and like, hmm, I guess this is a sign. Let's sign the contract. That's great. So then how many guests ended up making it? We invited 120 because we basically put it out there that anyone who wanted to come was welcome to. And um, so we invited anyone we probably would have invited at at home wedding. And we ended up having 45 guests join us. 
Interesting. How far were they, most of them, coming from? Most were coming from Michigan. We had a number from Florida, and we actually had an exchange student that my family hosted when I was in high school join us from Germany. Oh, wow. That's a long way. (laughs) Yeah. She was our furthest by far. Okay. So you talked about why you guys decided not to use the Great Movie Ride. How did you choose the venues that you did decide on? What we ended up having is we had the dessert party at Porcature, and the ceremony was going to be at night at Seabreeze Point because we wanted the water and the, you know, the beautiful lights. Initially, we signed our letter of contract to have our pre-reception at Italy Isola West and the reception at Pixar Place. But later on in the planning, when we started getting down to budget again, we quickly axed Pixar Place and ended up doing everything at Italy Isola with the, the large island, which was gorgeous. Interesting. And so when you say you had a dessert party at Port Cochere, was that like a welcome party? Yeah, that was the night before the wedding when everyone was getting in on the Saturday night. And we had that during the Wishes fireworks. And it was, you know, a real nice, beautiful location to have. And then the next day, so everyone had all day to do whatever they wanted. And then the ceremony was in the evening the next night. And for my listeners who aren't familiar with that location, the Port Cochere is over at the Contemporary Resort. The Convention Center has a big Port Cochere where you could drive up, I suppose. I don't think anybody actually drives there. But they put out tables and chairs, and you can see the fireworks from there. Yeah, it was a great viewing location. Actually, I think we got some of our prettiest firework photographs from that location. Interesting. And was the idea always to have an evening ceremony at Seabreeze Point, or was the ceremony time dictated by the fact that you wanted to use Italia Sola and you had to have a later time so that you could use it after the park closed? This later ceremony actually came from the fact that we wanted to have the Pixar Place reception, which you can't get into Hollywood Studios until two hours after the park closes. So that's really what initially set all of our timelines, which would put the reception at 10 p.m., and so you kind of, we work, kind of worked backwards from there and ended up with, okay, we'll do the 7.30 ceremony at Seabreeze Point. That kind of, we could have easily changed it, but we really, to me, I always envisioned my wedding on the beach at sunset with water around. And so really, that was the, the, the best way to convey that at Walt Disney World. That's interesting. And you did a lot of decor at Seabreeze Point, which you don't see a lot with lamps and drapery. How did you decide on that? That actually was a last-minute ad out of my nervousness of what would happen if we went back up. I was so scared of ending up in a ballroom and not wanting just this plain, boring location that I could have had anywhere back home in Michigan or anywhere, literally. And so adding the, uh, the drapery and the chandelier and the flowers was really my safety net. If we went back up, that I would be comfortable and okay with going up proceeding with that. I see, because then they would move all those things to the ballroom or wherever they put you if the rain, you got rained out. Exactly. And then it wouldn't just be a plain, boring ballroom. We'd have a focal piece where we could have the ceremony around it and still have gorgeous pictures and, you know, a little bit of a backup. Seabreeze Point itself did not need that decor for night. And if we had, you know, could always have a crystal ball and guarantee that we'd have perfect weather like we did. I wouldn't have added the, the decor there like we did. It was just my own comfort and safety blanket of what will make me accept having to go back up. And that was it. That's interesting. And then you went to Italia Sola for your reception. You did your pre-reception and reception there. Yeah, everything was right there at the same location. And so as soon as the ceremony was over, Mike and I actually did a stage exit and got in the Rolls Royce 
and bolted to Italy Isola. We didn't take any pictures at Seabreeze Point afterwards. And so we actually got to be on the Italy Isola for about 15, 20 minutes before our guests arrived at about 8.30, which is nice for us to sit and kind of take things in and get some food while we waited for everyone. And then we kind of did, a, a, our intent was to do a receiving line as people arrived, but it kind of got a little hectic and didn't, didn't exactly end up like that. Interesting. And then you were there after the park closed. Did that mean that you were able to have a DJ? We were able to have a DJ. That was another one of my main concerns of the day is the DJ technically cannot start playing until two hours after the park closes or you get the okay from the entertainment group. They give the all clear, but you have no guarantee. The earliest you are told ahead of time is to assume 11 p.m. And so I was nervous. Is the party going to start dying? You know, what's going to happen there? So we actually added the photo mingle, which started right after dinner that people could take pictures, and we really didn't have that problem with worrying about the party dragging at all. It really flowed naturally quite well. And was Photo Mingle a booth, or was it more like a modern-day deconstructed booth? (laughs) It's definitely the modern-day deconstructed booth. It's this really neat, big LCD screen, and they have a camera attached to it, and you take a picture, and the, the way they had it situated is it overlooked the party and overlooked the lagoon there, So you had pictures of the uh, spaceship Earth in the background in the country and the whole party going on around it. And then after people took the pictures, they could draw on the screen and, and write whatever they wanted. We also had props that they could take pictures with, like funky glasses and some Disney inspired hair. And then at the bottom, we had actually customized a little board that said Heather and Mike and then our wedding date on it that matched with all the little details um, of the stationery we had used. That's cool. And now your linens and your decor were amazing. You had like these sparkle tablecloths and then uplighting. How did you conceive all of that? Well, thank you for uh, it really did turn out stunning. We were very blessed. We really wanted the glitteriness of the night and the water, the reflections. So that's kind of what our starting picture was. So we, you know, asked Disney if they had any sequined linens. And it's a common request that they get. And they've never, the ones that they've had in the past are ungodly expensive. And our, our floor planner was actually able to find one that was in a decent price range. My mom complained about it catching with her dress because it was like this really heavy metallic sequin it wasn't what you would think of like a light plastic Mm -hmm. and it did catch on her dress but it didn't catch on my wedding dress at all so I think she's just being difficult perhaps so that kind of was our starting point and then from there I would have loved to have done the big candelabras on every table but realistically those are quite expensive so we were very budget conscious we basically said to our floral panel here's pictures of what we like and what we don't like we want the silvers to kind of stay through everything within the pops of the turquoise and the, the fuchsia pink coming through. We don't care about the flowers, just everything. We want to be gorgeous and get the most bang for our buck because we were very, very budget conscious. I mean, we did spend money, but we didn't spend like there was no tomorrow. Interesting. And then the uplighting you had mentioned to me came with your DJ package. We didn't even really know going in what the DJ lighting package would be. And our jaws literally dropped when we walked up to the Italy Isola. They had taken our colors, the fuchsia and the turquoise, and used up lighting, but they did it in such a way it was just breathtaking. There was 
one of the uh, staircases was done up in the pink and one was done in turquoise. And then uh, throughout the island, there was different spotlights of our colors throughout the whole island and uh, like on the cake and on our sweetheart table. And so the most I can make up, because we, we didn't know going in that that's what those lights would end up equating to. But hands down, that was probably one of our favorite aspects of the store because it really just made the whole island pop. And we were just, everyone was taken away by it. It was stunning. That's great. Yeah, I know lighting is one of the last things you think about, and, and yet it can make such a huge impact. Yeah, the whole night, I literally, I think that was the, the biggest thing in my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe how this turned out. I'm just, you know, blown away. That's great. So for someone who's maybe considering doing an evening ceremony and reception like this, can you give a timeline of how your day ran? We started with hair and makeup at about 1 p.m., and then the photographers arrived at 4.30, and we, because sunset was at about 6.20 that day, had to do all of the main pictures before the ceremony, and so Mike and I did a first look. We uh, had gotten ready at the Caribbean, and so him and I both took separate town cars over to the boardwalk and did a first look, and then we had um, luxury vans pick up our family at about 5 p.m. and take them over to the boardwalk to meet us there. And so we did all the family pictures, and then Mike and I actually took the rolls all over the boardwalk, taking pictures, basically right up until the ceremony when we picked my dad up on the way to the ceremony with pictures, and then we had the 7.30 ceremony. And like I said earlier, Mike and I were whisked off right, right away in the ceremony, and um, then we had appetizers uh, as soon as the guests arrived before illuminations. And then dinner followed immediately afterwards. So it was a very quick turnover. And then 11 p.m. was when the DJ could start in theory. I think he might have gotten the okay to go earlier. But everything's a blur that day. I couldn't have told you what time he actually did start. And then our, our reception itself was supposed to go to 1.30 a.m. Somehow it got cut short and ended up at 1 a.m., which ended up being fined in the end. Interesting. So you prepared guests beforehand so they knew it was going to be a late night. <laughs> yes, we had told, you know, gave everyone kind of an idea of, you know, they knew that the food was going to be late, what time dinner was going to be served. We told them what food was going to be served so they'd come hungry because we had lots of food. Mm. And then we also, you know, let them know what time the shuttles were going to be leaving because we did have some people that had early flights the next day out of town. So they took some of the earlier shuttles back to the hotel just out of necessity. Okay. Well, speaking of food, do you want to share any favorite dishes or talk a little bit about how you decided what you wanted to serve? I think our favorite dish at the tasting was the uh, seafood hearts of palm salad absolutely love that that was I think one of the most unexpectedly favorites we weren't we didn't have high expectations for it Disney was great to work with food wise I'm severely allergic to broccoli which is so odd that everyone laughs and be like really and Disney was so great about making sure that nowhere anything had broccoli I mean because I didn't even want someone to accidentally cross-contaminate me that day and they really did a great job of putting my my fears to rest that I wasn't going to have to worry and have Benadryl and, you know, with me and that day. Hmm. Did you guys have a theme? We didn't have a theme per se. We just really wanted this glamorous on the water night event where really there wasn't a catchy theme to go with it. It just, we had the silvers as kind of the main primary color. And like I said, the pops, the turquoise and the fuchsia. 
When I described it to people, though, I always described it as a wedding at Disney instead of a Disney wedding because we really didn't have many Disney touches. Interesting. So when you were planning, what ended up being the most and least important aspects where you were focusing your time and budget or you were saving time and budget? Ironically, our most important aspect to begin with was wanting to have the ride open at Toy Story Mania. I just thought it would be absolutely amazing to be able to ride that as many times as you wanted while having a few drinks and a great time with friends. That later evolved into making sure that we orchestrated this amazing night for everyone who who joined us to celebrate our love. It just really, really became our primary goal. And so the Toy Story ride kind of transformed into, well, what about entertainment, adding the photo mingle booth to have this great experience? That's where the bulk of our budget we didn't really cut in many aspects. We really had a well-rounded wedding. We definitely tried to hit all of the highlights, but some we, you know, videography was a last-minute ad that we tried to negotiate down as much as we could to save money there. But I'm so glad we added it at the end. That's good. Good advice. And what is your favorite memory of your wedding day? I have two favorite memories. One was when Mike and I were walking into the Italy Isola and we saw it lit up for the first time. Both of our jaws dropped and we were like little kids looking at each other like, oh my God, this is our reception. You know, all that hard work and to finally see our vision come together because he was very much involved in planning, especially with all the floral. He actually, there were parts where I was going to cut and he was like, well, we need more flowers. Hmm. I mean, who gets that lucky? (laughs) And so um, another point of the night, Mike and I snuck off for a short walk over to the American Pavilion late in the evening and just, you know, having the park to ourselves, just kind of walking hand in hand, you know, on our first night is being married. I really will never forget that. That's wonderful. Now, I have to ask, because when I was looking at your photos on the Roots blog post, they mentioned that Mike's daughter thought up until quite late in the game that she was going to be the bride. Can you tell us that story? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we watched a lot of Four Weddings trying to show her what the flower girl was going to do. And somehow in her mind, it translated that the flower girl was the bride instead of the little flower girl. (laughs) And so at one point, we went to pick my dress up and she got so mad that she was not the bride in the white and that she had a pink dress which we thought she'd love a pink dress. And it just, the whole time, she's thinking she's going to be the bride. And she even had the person who she was going to marry. Oh. I'm marrying Jacob. And we're just like, no, you're not marrying Jacob, honey. <laughs> Daddy and Heather are getting married. That's adorable. So, at the end of the day of, she was absolutely a sweetheart and actually was so happy that we were getting married. She went around and kissing everyone. And still, if you ask her what we did at Walt Disney World, she's like, we got married. (laughs) That's so cute. So did anything with the event go wrong or just not turn out like you expected? We like to call our day the perfectly imperfect day. We had so many things go wrong, but yet the day was still absolutely perfect. Our luck literally started two days before my parents were leaving town. My father ended up in the hospital. And everyone was riding out, and my entire family was riding down with him in the RV. Um, We had terrible debacles with our room reservations at both resorts. Our dessert party, they used cream de coco in our specialty drinks instead of blur carousel. Nasty drinks, chocolate and lime don't go together. There were some modifications to the cake, but really the biggest was we had a manager on our way to the boardwalk. She was new, 
actually stopped the Rolls Royce and wasn't going to let us pull up to Seabreeze Point, which I really wanted to be my big grand reveal. So we're literally minutes before the ceremony, and there's managers and our planners all trying to figure out just to convince her, yes, the car is allowed to be on the boardwalk. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So, but it sounds like nothing was a deal breaker. Like you say, it was overall, everything turned out amazing. Yeah, you really, you have to expect things to go wrong. It's really what you make of it and keep going on the day. And so we just kind of brush it off and make the best of it. But I mean, especially with my father being admitted in the hospital, I did have a little bit of breakdown then. And Mike's like, you know, see the forest for the trees. We'll figure out a way to get everyone to Florida. Hmm. And so, you know, it, it turned out well. And your father was able to be there. Oh, yes, of course. He actually got the clear and they actually left, I think, the day, the same day they were supposed to or the next day, thankfully. That's great. Was there any aspect of the wedding that seemed like a big deal beforehand and then turned out not to be? Like I mentioned before, the entertainment, because of that lull with the DJ, I was really nervous about that. And I kept going back and forth to be like, well, can we do this? Do we push dinner back? In the end, it was no big deal. It really, there was no lull at all. It it ran beautifully and everyone had a great time. was also really nervous about the weather and having to go back up. So um, that's why I basically had the question, what do we have to do to, to make ourselves comfortable with that possibility? And actually, we really got, someone was watching out for us because it was cold the week of our wedding. And then the day of the wedding, it was like 80 degrees. So we got lucky. That's great. Is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? There's two things. Since we had the pre-reception and the reception at the same location, and we had two three-year-olds, I would have had the children's meals delivered at the beginning of the cocktail hour. That way they could have picked at them through the fireworks while everyone else had dinner because we really didn't have any children-friendly appetizers, and that never occurred to me to think of doing that or anything. So they were really hungry and ended up eating the favor we had left on the table as something to buy them over until dinner was ready. That's a really good point. I've never thought about that because, yeah, get the kids fed and then they'll be a lot happier for the rest of the event. Plus, they take so long to eat. I mean, she could pick out her food for like two hours. And so this way she had time, she'd be occupied. And so I kind of kicked myself on not doing that. But you, you live and learn. I also would not have changed hotels the night of the wedding. Ooh, no. The, uh, the contemporary didn't have our room ready when we went to check in. And so they called us at like 5 p.m. that day. And we're like, oh, will you go to a double? I'm like, no, it's my wedding night. I'll take the king. We're paid for. And so we never had our rooms. So we go to the wedding. And 2 in the morning, we never got the text to send us the room number. Mm. So we showed up at 2 in the morning, and there's no one at the front desk. We can't find anyone anywhere to tell us our room number. So we literally are running around trying to call people for about 30 minutes trying to find out what our hotel room number was. Oh, my gosh. That's so that was not fun. We were just happy to finally know and get, you know, get settled. Yeah, yeah. It is tempting to change room nights, especially if you're going to use the free night that you get with a wishes wedding when you fill the room block. But boy, it can be such a hassle in the middle of your wedding day to have to check out, check in and all of that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't worth it. Because I mean, honestly, we got there at about 2.33 in the morning. And yeah, you sleep. So we could have checked in the next day and it would have been just the same. Okay. Do you have any tips or advice for future Disney brides and grooms? I have a couple. The first one that we did that was a great help is we made a spreadsheet that mimicked the mimicked the budget that Disney gave us. 
this was really helpful because their budget didn't entirely, it had a lot of errors. So when it came time to pay final payment, they showed us owing about three grand more than what we should have to pay. So having that spreadsheet allowed us to catch it and get it kind of corrected. And um, it also was a great way when we were playing with things. Well, what if we add this? What if we cut that? We could quickly see the effect on our budget because our initial BEO, I've, I've put it out there in the disc boards, was almost like $70,000. We did spend a fraction of that in the end. But having to play with the money and the numbers, we needed that spreadsheet to kind of play with things. So, I mean, we did not spend that much, but we having that spreadsheet is what really helped us stay to our budget and get what we wanted, but at a very value price. We also, with our vendors, we gave them a lot of creative license, which you hear a lot of people say, just, you know, let them do their thing. Also, make sure to tell them, though, what you don't want. Because sometimes that's just as important because you don't want to get there and give someone license and be like, oh, I, I hate X, that flower. We actually had that happen with the harpist. We just told her classical music and love songs. No Disney. Never once thinking that she'd play the American Tale, that Somewhere Out There song, which is absolutely on my top song, Do Not Ever Play, because of a personal connection to that song that actually I found out later that it was played and I would have had a bridezilla moment if it, I had known it had been played and I felt terrible my mom told me it had been played and I apologized for profusely because it, it evokes to my family so many emotions of a terrible incident that it, it wasn't something I wanted played on my wedding day but I only had myself to blame for not being specific to her and how I phrased what she could and did not want played. Interesting. Yeah. So that's an important thing to do. And definitely, like you said, the, the bill on consumption, that was wonderful. We absolutely loved that. We allowed us to, which you don't hear many people do, we actually did not like the standard packages that Disney had. There's very specific alcohols that I personally like. My family loves Armoretto, Drambouille. My sister loves the, the chocolate Godiva. And so we needed to do bill cons- on consumption because they wanted to be able to offer those. And I think it actually saved us money because people didn't have to play with options. They could right off the bat pick the drink they wanted because we literally had everything offered for them. Oh, that's great. Well, now, is there any place online where my listeners could go to read about or see photos of your day? Our photographers and videographers both have blogs that have our day featured. And I will give you pictures. And if anyone wants to see our BEO and our... Gosh, a floral proposal. I also have those on the Diz boards because I loved reviewing those when I was planning because they gave me ideas on what we could do. Yeah, and they're great for finding pricing too. If you're, like you say, you if you have a spreadsheet, you can use other people's prices and plug them into the spreadsheet to know about how much you'll pay. Exactly. Well, this is great stuff. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I think you've offered a lot of great tips for saving money and having a day run smoothly. So I really appreciate your taking the time. You're welcome. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, 
Available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com slash weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.